Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome so much to Bethesda Church. We're glad that you've joined us. If this is your first time here today, thank you so much for joining us. Bethesda, will you just love on the guests real quick? Come on. Come on, welcome our online family while you're at it. Um, Before I dive into the Word of God today, I have to um, make a quick, quick announcement about uh, a few weeks ago I was talking to you guys about we were probably about a million over or so on the budget for the new facility because of things that we ran into uh, and told you we were working on um, additional financing through the bank and our board has agreed to proceed with that and so we will be getting an additional 854000 um, and we will be signing paperwork on that in about a week, a week and a half. And so um, this building is about done, and we're hoping to do a ribbon cutting in March. Anybody excited about that? So exciting. So I want to say thank you to everyone who gives, who's pledged. Your generosity is making this dream become a reality. And I can't wait to worship in that new facility with each and every one of you and see all the lives that will be changed for Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, As we look at our series today, God With Us, this is week number three of this series. And so far, we have talked about God being with us in the valley. And we know that the valley is a metaphor for pain, loss, and tears. Um, one of the interesting things about Scripture is usually when the presence of God would come on an individual, it would take them higher. You know, like John, the, the, the Spirit called John higher. But when you look in the book of Ezekiel, the Scripture says that the Spirit of God came on Ezekiel and the Spirit of God took him to the valley, a low place, uh, a valley of dry bones. And so we, we have to understand that even in the valley, God's presence is with us. We also know from last week, we talked about God's presence with us in the wilderness. The difference between the valley and the wilderness is very simple. The the wilderness usually lasts a whole lot longer than the valley. Uh, It's not a quick visit and you're out. Usually the wilderness seasons of our life um, take time because God is developing character. And we learned in that message last week that our deepest need becomes a gift when our need drives us to depend on God. We all know what it's like to be struggling in life and take that struggle and and really press into God. And and how many of you understand you can draw closer to God in the midst of your pain sometimes? It drives you to depend on Him, and so your need becomes a gift. Today, I want to close this, or not close it out, we have one more week, but I want to talk to you about God with us in the storm. God with us in the storm. And I want to use Matthew chapter 1 again as kind of a a theme verse. Um, Matthew 1 verse 23, it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So we've been talking about the presence of God in our lives through all the different seasons of life. And we all experience God in different ways based on what's going on around us. And this is just an observation, and I've made this observation and and shared it with you before, but all of us are either 
in the middle of a storm, coming out of a storm, or there's a storm right around the corner. And that's, that's just the way life works. We, we go through trouble. And at times it's painful and at times it's difficult. And it causes us to question, where is God while I'm struggling? Where is God in the middle of my storm? Now, when we talk about natural storms, we know, we know that our country has been hit with a lot of natural storms or natural disasters. And uh, with that, uh, a lot of those have names like Hurricane Harvey or Irma. But did you know that they did not always name storms after people's names? They used to name storms after um, geographic places. Um, but in 1954, that was the first year that U.S. Um, meteorologists started naming storms after people, and it started with men naming storms after their wives or their girlfriends. Come on, just smile real big. It's all right. Now, can you imagine I'm a meteorologist, and I know, like that's my job, that's what I do, and I know that this Category 5 storm is coming, and a lot of people will be killed and there's going to be a ton of damage that take place. And I come home after work and say, Karen, there is a category five storm coming. It's going to kill a lot of people and leave a lot of damage. It reminded me of you. So <laughs> do you feel loved? I named it after you. Now, I, I have to just step back as a man and say, what are they thinking? How stupid is that? But in 1979... There was a shift, I guess a storms equal rights movement, and women started naming the storms after their boyfriends and after their husbands. Now, with that being said, we know that storms come, and, and we all face them, and unfortunately, some of you, you're in the middle of a storm right now, and, and the reason I, I shared that story with you is that you might be tempted to name your storm. You might be tempted to say, I just wish I could get through this storm of divorce, this storm of depression, the storm of cancer, this relational storm in my life. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of a storm and we just want a way out. How many of you have ever been in a storm and all you really cared about was getting out of it, right? I mean, it doesn't even matter how. God just get me out. And so the question we must ask today is, what do you do in the middle of the storm? A lot of people, when it comes to their relationship with God, they, in the middle of the storm, they blame God for their storm. You know how we are. We, God, why are you letting this happen? God, why, where, where are you and why are you allowing it to happen? Can you please help me out? And I have a key thought that I really want you to write down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write it down. All right. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Now, we're going to go to Acts 27, and when we get there, we're going to find some men who were on a boat in the middle of a brutal storm. This storm lasted several days. The crew was terrified, so terrified that they started throwing cargo overboard, throwing things off the boat. They believed that this storm would be the storm that took them all out. And we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 27, 
verse number 20. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now I want you to focus on the underlined portion on the screen. It says that the storm continued raging and we finally gave up all hope of being saved. I wonder, I wonder how many of us could use that phrase today. I wish this storm would just end. This thing has gone on and on and on. I'm tired of the storm. I'm over the storm. The scripture says it continued raging to the point that they lost hope. Lost hope of being saved. And I hear that phrase often when I meet with people and talk to them about their problems or the storms that they are facing. And they say things like, I just feel like I might need to give up on the marriage. It's been bad for so long. I've just lost hope on this ever turning around. I've been in financial issues so long, Pastor, that I've just, I've lost hope. I just don't see it ever, ever getting better. I've lost hope on ever being financially secure. Or I've been sick for this amount of time and, I, and you know, I just, God hasn't healed me yet and I'm, I'm losing hope. So many people lose hope because the storm lasts so long. The longevity of a storm can, can zap out your hope and your ability to believe God. The scripture says this storm continued raging and it kept moving against them and everyone started losing hope. In verse 21, It says, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Now, I don't know how you feel when you read that verse, but it makes me want to throat punch Paul. Because what what Paul is doing is is they're in the middle of a storm and and he's standing up and saying, I told y'all. Now, real quick, don't be that person right now that's thinking, I told you, okay? Especially if it's your spouse, okay? Don't, don't be the person that says, I told you. As spiritual as Paul was, he was not above doing what so many of us love to do, and that is telling people that we are right. Because Paul had warned them that this was going to happen. And he had told them that a storm would take place. And we have to ask, why were these men in the storm? These men were in the storm, and it was their own fault. They had been warned. They made a decision to go ahead and set sail, even though the environment was risky. Have you ever noticed that among Christian and Christian circles, that a lot of times when we are in the middle of a storm, that we want to blame people or blame the devil for what we're going through? It's going to get real quiet right here for just a moment. But you need to hit your neighbor and tell them real quick, this message will encourage you. Come on, tell them that. This message will encourage you. These men are in in the storm because they made a decision to go out while the environment was risky. Oftentimes, we blame the devil, blame people, blame a circumstance on on the reason why we're in the storm that we're in, and I don't know how to say this nicely, sometimes we're in the storm and it's our own dumb fault. Sometimes we are in the middle of a storm that we created. (laughs) 
Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you were a real jerk to your spouse. My wife said, come on. Everybody else is quiet. Y'all smart. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm, watch this, because you spent too much money. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because your emotions got the best of you and you said something that you can't retract, something that you can't take back. It's not the devil's fault you didn't pass your exam. It's not the devil's fault that you married the guy that everyone around you said, don't marry him. He's a loser, run. But one day at the Chinese restaurant, your fortune cookie said, he's the one. And so you dated him and you married him anyway, in spite of all the people around you saying he's no good for you, but you continued to make yourself believe he's got potential. Yeah, he's got potential, potential to ruin your life, baby. That's what his potential is. And a lot of times we create the storms that we're in. We've all done that. We've all created storms that we had to live in or live through. Sometimes it's not anyone else's fault. It's not the devil's fault. It's our own fault. And I don't know how you are, but for me, it's easier to believe that God will get me out of something that wasn't my fault than it is to believe God will get me out of something that is my fault. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like that whole, well, I just got to, you know, I sowed the seeds and now I got to reap the harvest. Sometimes that's my thinking when I create my own storm. And, and many of us struggle with that. You know, can God bring me out of something that was my fault? And I, I hate to go ahead and put it out there, but I, I'm going to go ahead and do this because somebody needs the encouragement. God is an expert at delivering us out of storms that were not our fault, but he's also an expert of delivering us out of storms that, that was our fault. How many are thankful that we serve a God that will deliver us out of a mess that we created? He's that merciful. He's that gracious to us. Many times he delivers us from our own mistakes. The scripture says that the storm continued to rage and they gave up all hope. Now, there were people on the boat, it was their fault, they were in the storm, but there were also people on the boat that it wasn't their fault. I don't know how big the crew was, but I would have to imagine that everyone knowing that a storm is coming, there had to be somebody on that team that said, hey, let's not go. Let's stay put. Let's, Let's wait this out. Let's not get out in an environment that's that risky. But the captain said, no, we are moving on. So there were people on the boat that were, they were in the storm, and it wasn't their fault. Watch this. God specializes in delivering us out of storms that we created and storms we didn't create. Think about this. How many of God can deliver kids who are in a mess because their parents divorced? How many of God can still watch out for them and deliver them? Your company makes a, bad, a bunch of bad decisions. And because they made a bunch of bad decisions, they have to downsize. And because they're downsizing, you're one of the first ones they have to let go. How many know God can still deliver you out of that mess? See, I want people to know God can deliver you out of a mess you created, and he can deliver you out of a mess that you didn't create. It doesn't matter to God. He's in the delivering business. And I just want to take a praise break right now that God can deliver us out of messes we created and messes we didn't create. I feel like preaching on a Sunday morning. 
feels like first Wednesday to me, but somebody needs to be encouraged that even though the storm continues and you're about to give up hope, never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Look at verses 22 and 23. Paul says, he says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. I love this. The whole reason I'm here today is to let somebody know that the storm you thought would take you out is the storm God's going to use to take you to your next level. The very thing that you thought, this is the end of me, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm losing hope, is the very thing God is going to use to take you to your next level. Paul said, not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And I love what he said. He said, an angel showed up last night and stood beside me. Some of us don't know this because we're so in the middle of the storm we can't see beyond our problems. But right now there's angels encamped all around you. There's angels all over this room right now. Angels that are working on your behalf. You can't see them, but they are working. And just like the prophet said to his servant, there are more for us than there are against us. We just have to gain a little perspective that God is with us in the valley. He's with us in the wilderness, but he's also with us in the middle of our storm. Amen. God is with us in the middle of our storm. And a lot of times we, we struggle because what we see in the natural is not all there is. And it's so hard when you're in the middle of the problem, in the middle of the storm, to see beyond that. But the natural is not all. There is a spiritual battle going on. And we have to realize that sometimes God is with us in the form of an angel. Sometimes it's with an encouraging word. Sometimes it's just a, rem- a reminder that as a follower of Jesus, I may be in the middle of the storm, but the Holy Spirit still dwells, not with me, but on the inside of me, that God is with me as I walk through this. The scripture says this, God goes before us, that he prepares the way for us. He makes the crooked path straight. He's already in our tomorrow. He's not bound by time or space. He hears our prayers. He comforts our heart. And he gives us strength in a moment of weakness. We have no idea all the ways that God is with us in the middle of a storm. And I hope that this encourages someone who's struggling today to know that God is with you while you face that's that situation in your life. See, Paul said an angel of the Lord stood beside me in the middle of a storm. And he, Paul later told Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 4, he said, everyone else deserted me, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Everybody else walked out, turned their back, but God never left. There was a lot of people who were not there for you maybe, but God has never left you. A lot of people who gave you their word and then did not honor their word. How many know God does not give words that he doesn't honor? The scripture says that when the word goes out, it will accomplish what he sent it to do. That it does not return void. David said this in Psalm 16 and 8. He says, I know the Lord is with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. He is right beside me. I want you to touch two people and tell them real quick. You don't know what they're going through. Just tell them God's with you. God's with you. See, that's a powerful word because 
When you know God is with you, it changes your demeanor. It changes your posture. It changes your perspective. I'll go as, as far as to say, when you know God is with you, it changes your mood. <laughs> Some of us are moody because we don't recognize God's with us. We're short with people because we don't believe God's with us. We're mean to people because we don't believe God is with us. When God is with you, it changes your demeanor. It changes your mood. It's kind of like me and my brother growing up. I'm two and a half years older than my brother. And I didn't ask his permission to tell this, but I'm telling it anyway. He's my brother. He has to love me. He won't make it to heaven if he don't. But I'm two and a half years older than him, and I was always a lot bigger than him, always, because my brother was like my dad. I don't know why this runs in my family, but it does. My dad grew like six inches after he graduated high school. He went from like five, six to six foot. He came back from the army, and none of his clothes, all his pants hit about right here because he took a growth spurt so late. My brother was the same, not as late, but growing up, he was always the scrawny kid, 135, 140 pounds, even in high school. And, and so I was always a lot bigger. So my brother was really, really small, but he had a really big mouth. <laughs> Some of you are like, are you saying that about? Yes, he would tell you that. And what, what would happen is, is that his mouth sometimes would get him in some environments that, that were really risky. And I can remember a couple of times when he's looking at a guy two times his size just screaming at him like, I'll whip you and I'll take you out right here. And, and he would do it because I was standing behind him. <laughs> I'm like, now you're in a mess. Now you're pulling me into your mess. But the reason he would talk so much smack is because he knew his big brother, even if he was wrong, I'm still going to knock them out because he's my brother. Right? He's going to pull me in. Did you know we have a big brother? His name is Jesus, and he is with you. And that means you can stare the enemy of your soul down knowing that God is with you, he's for you, and there is more for you than against you. Jesus has got you covered. He's with you in the middle of your storm. See, when you know who's with you, it changes everything. There's a story in the New Testament about the disciples who were in a different boat facing a different storm. And they did what you and I do when we face a storm. They freaked out and they started saying, we're going to die. And they're upset that it doesn't seem that Jesus cares because while they're freaking out, guess what Jesus is doing? Sleeping. How <laughs> I many of God's not worried about what we're worried about? This is so good. He gets up, he steps on the, the, the top of that ship and he speaks, peace be still. And the winds and the way, everything calms down. And they experience peace in the boat because Jesus was in their boat. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. So even if I'm in the middle of the storm, if Jesus is in my boat, I can face the storm with peace in my heart. So it's not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus. And so... A lot of us, we really struggle when we face a storm because we've been led to believe by some bad teaching and bad theology that, that if you serve the Lord, you don't have trouble. Serving the Lord sometimes means you're going to have more trouble. Why? Because you're, you are on the enemy's radar. And, and, and so here's what the scripture says. John 16, In this world, you will have trouble. 
in this world, you will have trouble. So that's a promise. Real peace, though, is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus. And many of us were in the middle of a storm. Some of you have been in a storm maybe all year long. And the tension we feel in the storm takes place because it's not just the struggle itself, but as Christians, how many of you understand, we try to make sense out of our storms. We, we, we try to reason like why we're in it. And, 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 and you can become so analytical that it can literally stunt your growth in God. That, that you can overthink things and try to reason things and, and try to come to some conclusion. Sometimes you're just in the storm because you're in the storm. It's not meant to be figured out. But we struggle with that because we're all control freaks at some level. Some of us, the reason we don't like flying, it's not being high, you know, 30,000 feet in the air. It, it's about, I don't know that joker flying the plane. What's his life like? Has he been drinking before we got on here? Right? Out of our control. Like, is he really in control of this plane? And, and so a lot of us, we're like that. We want to control things, and the only way we have peace is when we're in control. But life doesn't work that way. In case you haven't figured it out, you can't control all the details of your life. Life storms happen. And what we have to understand is that life is not a puzzle to be solved. Life is a mystery to be lived. It's not all my type A personalities just now became sick to their stomach. Because we want to control everything. We, we, we want to be in charge. We want to be in control. But storms come. And, and here's the thing about storms. You have no idea when they're coming, how long they're going to last, and how much damage will take place. You have no clue how to be prepared for that or control that. That's why in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he mentions the word mystery over and over again. He would say, I show you a mystery. Because life is not a problem to be solved. It's a mystery to be lived. So how do we handle life when God doesn't make sense? How do we handle life when the storms come and continue to rage as it did for these men and we start to lose hope? We know about the right hand of God, which is God's hand of power and blessing and promotion and all the good things we want from God. But the scripture also talks about the left hand of God, that God uses his left hand when he's working on you. One of the things I find interesting about the story is, is that these men were so threatened by the storm that they took everything in the boat and threw it off. Could it be that God's allowed some of the storms to come into your life because he's going to remove all the crutches that we depend on? All the things that we've built our security on, all the things that we said we can't live without. How many of that sometimes God will come in and he will overthrow our little apple cart and say, you don't need all that. What you need is faith in me. And so they, they begin chucking everything overboard. Look at verses 23-24. It says, Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, God is telling Paul, Paul, you can't go down in this battle because I've got more for you to do. Paul, you, you're not, you thought this was going to take you out, but it's not going to take you out. It's because I'm not done. with. And, and somebody needs to hear that. If you're not dead, God's not done. 
If you're not dead, God's not done. He has more people for you to love. He has more opportunities for us to serve. He has more moments for you and I to be a blessing. You're not going down in this. This is not the storm, Paul, that's going to take you out. See, what we know is that God works, according to Romans 8, 28. He, he uses everything, and he causes it all to work together for our good. And so when we look at that scripture, it, it literally means that God can take the various instruments of our life the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, and he can bring it together and, and cause it to work in our favor. It's kind of like if I were, were to bring out this morning bacon soda and put it up here, and eggs and salt and grease and a little buttermilk. Most of y'all would not be excited about any one of those individual items. Maybe eggs. Some of y'all, I want the buttermilk. Well, all right. Anyway, you wouldn't be that excited about any of those individual items. But if you take all those items and mix them all together, how many of you can make some mean biscuits? I got hungry preaching this at 8.30. Some, some, I mean, come on, homemade biscuits and apple butter, we're in heaven. But you take all those individual items, you bring them together, and it makes something awesome. And they tell me that there is a secret ingredient for Coca-Cola hidden somewhere in Atlanta, Georgia. That's what they say. And I'm talking about all these individual things in your life that's happened to you. All these struggles, these valleys, these wilderness experiences, these storms that have come into your life. Individually, you look at them and you can't make sense out of any of them. But somebody needs to know today that the Holy Spirit has some secret ingredients to help add to all that you've been through, to bring your life to a good place that will glorify God. We know that even when you make biscuits, you gotta squeeze those things and you gotta apply some heat to it. Could it be that God is taking you through a season of, of valleys and wilderness and, and, and even storms because he's trying to develop you into the person he's called you to be? None of, watch this, none of us would want to go back through a storm we came out of. Think about your life and the horrible seasons that you've went through, the painful ones, the things that brought you the most pain, the most heartache. Nobody's signing up to do it again. When you look at it, you're like, I would never want to go through it again. I would never wish that my enemies, well, maybe one or two, go through that, right? Because it was that painful. But I wouldn't trade what I've been through because I, now I can see how God has used what I've been through to get me to a place to glorify him at a greater degree. And so a lot of times we, we can't see it while we're going through it, but I'll just say it in an old-fashioned church service way. What the devil meant to destroy you, God's going to use to bless you. I want somebody just to go ahead and receive that, that what the devil meant to destroy you, God is going to use it to bless you. And here's what I'll say about the process. The process is never good, but the end result is good. The process is not fun, but the end result is good. We've been called according to his purpose. He who began a good work will complete that work. See, when we go through a storm, we want to know who or what caused the storm. It really doesn't matter who or what caused the storm. What matters is, what, what are you planning to do with this, God? 
How are you planning to use this in my life? And here's what I've learned about the things that I've walked through. God will use what you learn in your storm to prepare you to help someone through their storm. And man, this is when, this is when it's all worth it. When you're able to walk through something and then turn around and help somebody else walk through it. it, it you become an evangelist for the presence of God with people in their storm. You thought your marriage would end, but God saved it. Or maybe your marriage ended in divorce, but God restored your, your heart. And you're able to then walk somebody else through what God helped you through. Maybe you were addicted to something for many years and then God set you free. And now you're able to turn and look at, at someone who is struggling with addiction and say, God help me, God will also help you. See, it's a powerful thing when we walk through things and we're delivered from things out of the storm that we can then be a catalyst for the grace of God in somebody else's life. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times we don't have the proper compassion for people because we're trying to minister to people as they go through things that we've never been through. But isn't it amazing how much compassion you have for someone going through something that you yourself just walked through? It, it, it's a powerful thing when you see someone who's, who's gone through a divorce turn around and help somebody through theirs or, or somebody who was addicted help somebody through their addiction, someone who beat cancer and God healed them and, and now they turn around and minister to somebody who just got the report that they've been diagnosed with cancer and they're able to offer an encouraging word that by his stripes we are healed and I'm going to stand with you and pray with you. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for all the things God has brought me through that's helped me to have compassion for the people I'm trying to help through. We wouldn't trade that. Look at this, Acts 27, 25. Hit your neighbor and say, he's almost done. He said, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I love this verse. I couldn't get away from this verse. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. He said, I want you to keep your courage because I know the angel stood beside me. I have faith in God and it will happen just as he said it would. My faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what God said. So my faith is not in what I'm going through. My faith is in the God, what God has said or communicated to me. Some of us, more than getting out of the storm or understanding the storm, what we need now is just to hear God speak again. Because my faith is on what God has said. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come help me close this. See, somebody's faith is gonna build as I, as I do this part right here. I have faith in God that he will do what he said he would do. I have faith in God that this season will turn around. My faith is not in the boat. My faith is in the one who commands the winds and the waves. My faith is not in the ship. My faith is in the one who created the tree that made the ship.
My faith is in God. He will see me through. He will be my comforter. He will be my deliverance. He will be my provider. He will bring my healing to pass. He is with me in the middle of my, I ought to just keep saying some stuff until somebody gets a little faith on the inside of you to gain perspective that even in the midst of your darkest days, Jesus, Emmanuel, is with you. Come on, somebody, if you believe that today. He's with you. See, we can't control when the storm hits or how long it lasts. But we can control what we believe and we can control where we put our faith. Man, there have been seasons in my life where I thought, God, have you forsaken me? Where are you in all this? And I needed to be reminded that he's with me. He's with me. Psalm 46, one through three. God is our shelter and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not be afraid, even if the earth is shaken and mountains fall into the ocean depths, even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by the violence. God's saying in the middle of your storm, I'm your hiding place, your safety, your refuge. I'm Emmanuel, God with us. If I lose my job, God is with me. If the relationship falls apart, God is with me. If the economy becomes shaky, God's with me. He will never leave me, never forsake me. He is my comforter, my safety, my strength, my righteousness. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's my rock, the living bread, the one who directs my path. He's the living water that satisfies my soul. He is the gate through which I enter. He is the comforter who ministers to me in my time of need. He is my peace. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. If you believe it, stand to your feet. Let's give God the best praise we have all day. Come on, church. Come on, Nick. If you know he's been with you in your storm, come on, lift up a high praise today. Come on, he's with you in the middle of your storm. I feel like I've been prophesying to some people that's been in a dark season. And I came today to tell somebody, God's with you. He has not forsaken you. He will see you through this. And though you would never wanna walk through this season again, God is gonna use, and, and, and listen, he's gonna use it at such a level, the devil's gonna regret that he ever attacked you the way that he did. He's going to regret that he ever came against you because God will use it in a powerful, powerful way. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want to speak to those that are in this room or watching online who are not in a relationship with Jesus. If, you're, if that is you, if that describes where you are, you're not in relationship with God, you need him to forgive you and come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you and you want to be saved, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are Say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus today. One back here. God bless you. Thank you for another one here. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? That's you today. You need Jesus to save you, to forgive you, to extend his grace to you. Anyone else? Every voice lifted. Come on, we're going to pray with these two hands that went up. 
Come on, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I'm asking you to come into my heart to forgive me for all my sins. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Celebrate those two people right now. Come on, let them know. They made a great decision. If you just made that commitment, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would pull it out, real short connect card, just put your name and let us know you made a a decision today to follow Jesus. You can leave it in your seat. Our team will come by and get it after service. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff, if they would, to come forward. We're going to open up these altars for prayer. If you need prayer because you're in the middle of of something, you're going through a struggle in your life, we would love to put our faith with your faith and just believe that God is going to do some amazing things. He's he's even going to use your struggle. Amen. How many of God can use your struggle? I mean, yeah, he delivers us, but there are times that he uses it. And so we, we would love to put our faith with your faith and just believe God with you. Before we sing, though, let's give God one more big praise. Come on, church. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.